Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. We know we did. Then prove it. Get it the right way. Look, 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 I know that's your kid. You're angry. I get it. I'd be angry too. But everybody doesn't get to be angry the way you do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen. I'm Sarah Mars. Welcome to the show. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing and reviewing Justified City Primeval Episode 3, entitled Backstabbers. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And find us across all channels. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at decodingtv. Also, we're on threads now. Threads.net slash at decodingtv. Sarah, you have an opinion on threads? No, but I think you have to call it X now. Uh, you, you mean Twitter. You have to call Twitter to th- uh, X now. That's right. Yeah. Yes. My bad. <laughs> it's still a tweet, but it's X. My favorite part of the whole Twitter rebrand is uh, nothing has changed on the iOS mobile app. Like on the website, it's all X, but on the mobile app, nothing is different. So if you just use the iPhone, you would never know anything has changed. Uh, amazing planning. Amazing planning. Anyway, uh, but do find us over there on YouTube.com slash Decoding TV. And, um, and yeah, uh, on threads as well, where we're posting stuff uh, on a regular basis. So um, before we get to this week's episode of Justified City Primeval, I want to mention a few things. First of all, um, I want to let people know what's going on this summer a little bit. Obviously, Sarah and I are covering Justified, and we will continue covering Justified City Primeval week by week for the rest of the summer. Uh, This week, we also have our coverage of uh, the Secret Invasion series finale, uh, probably series finale, which is going to be releasing in the next day or two. Uh, That recap is coming to you on your podcast.decodingtv.com feed. Uh, But... Uh, in addition to weekly recaps of Justified, we'll also be doing uh, other shows via This Week in Streaming. So uh, the Steven Soderbergh mystery thriller Full Circle is a show we plan to cover in the near future uh, as well. So, And we'll have more announcements about the stuff that we'll be covering very, very soon. So just want to let people know what they can uh, tune in for. Uh, And again, you can always subscribe to the podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com or support the show by becoming a paid subscriber at DecodingTV.com, help to keep this podcast going. Today on Decoding TV, we'll be talking about uh, our overall thoughts on episode three of Justified, and then we will spoil everything that happens with Justified uh, CD Primeval episode three, talk in detail about all the little things you may have seen or may not have picked up on. Uh, So that is the plan. Let's get to it. Sarah Mars... We're now three episodes in. What did you think of this episode, Backstabbers, overall? I think that Clement Manziel just started an Albanian blood feud. (laughs) And now now everybody's going to die. Mm. Um, 
I, I liked this episode. It moved some plot along in a way that it needed to. I have one huge reservation that comes out of this episode. Um, but otherwise, I, I genuinely did enjoy it. I did notice more so in this episode than the first two, the scourge of prestige TV underlighting strikes again. This episode in some places is so dark that I was like, what's wrong with my TV? Except I know it was professionally calibrated. There's nothing wrong with my TV. It's just underlit with a blue filter. (laughs) Um, I really wish television cinematographers would stop doing that. Um, But I know that's like, that's how you show that it's a serious drama. And it's like, I just want to see the details of this scene. <laughs> but it is a, uh, it is a fact that for much of TV history, uh, it has felt uh, overlit, you know, the other direction. It has felt like mm-hmm. uh, you can see that everyone is extremely well lit. And obviously I think we're in the midst of going through a correction and maybe perhaps you think an overcorrection, <laughs> but it's definitely more naturalistic. You know, we can put that out there. Um, yeah. But putting aside the technical aspects, I uh, I really I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it had some uh, a couple of classic justified style sequences. I'm really curious about where some of these plot lines are going. Um, a, lot, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. So overall, I was a fan, but definitely a transitional episode. You know, definitely an episode that's like it's a little table setting. It's a little yeah. bit like we, we have to kind of yeah. move these pieces. I am 100 percent rooting for Norbert, the psychotic Detroit police detective to get killed if he dies i won't care i'll be super upset if anything happens to marine be pretty upset if anything happens to victor williams if anything happens to norbert i'm there for it it's fine it doesn't count it's uh it's like that tim robinson sketch like it's not a real person (laughs) (laughs) wow um yeah okay look i mean we can reflect a little bit on norbert right he is obviously um uh, very willing to use police brutality when it suits him. Uh, not particularly competent, you know? No, he's a terrible cop. Even if yes. he was like the most by-the-book non-psycho, he's a bad cop. Like, mm-hmm. he's bad at the job. Mm-hmm. But does that mean he should die, Sarah? Yes. I don't know. In the world, in the world of Justified, <laughs> when he started, like, wrecking Sweetie's bar, I was like, all right, I'm over it. You're not good at your job. You're a psychopath. <laughs> You're enjoying... Uh, searching this guy's bar to mm-hmm. destruction, like in too much. Um, I'm I'm very here for him to. Yeah, I wouldn't care if he died. All right, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Hey, before we get to uh, a deep conversation about the episode itself, I do also want to acknowledge we got an email from a few people, but I'll read one of them. Uh, Reginald wrote into decodingtv at gmail dot com, and again, you can always write into decodingtv at gmail dot com. Let us know where you're from. But Reginald wrote in reflecting about first couple episodes, and he says, quote, uh, at one point, I wondered if the setting of Detroit, Michigan, instead of the Appalachian Mountains was going to be a good fit. But then I thought it might be interesting to see the country boy in the big city. It's like graduating from school and moving away from home. Sometimes you need a change of scenery to make you a more well-rounded person. Raylan can continue to grow without being encumbered by his past surroundings. I'm not thrilled about Raylan having his daughter around. Oliphant having his real-life daughter play this kind of role is interesting in a Tatum and Ryan O'Neill paper moon sort of way, but Raylan Givens is a bucking Bronco type of character. I wouldn't want to see him tamed by familial responsibilities. 
Anyway, it's good to see that Gary Cooper tr- stride again as Raylan Givens shows us he can be laid back and lethal, end quote. Uh, I, I wanted to read this email just like uh, as to set the scene a little bit because I have some thoughts about the daughter character, which obviously is a, is a major, major <laughs> character and major plotline this this episode. So um, why don't we just get into it? Let's just, let's talk about the Raylan and, and Willa plotline specifically. Sarah, I also noticed that John Avnet directed this episode of the show, which is pretty cool. I believe he's a veteran of the original series, right? Yes. The sensibility and the style and the rhythms of the original show feel like they're still living on in Justified City Primeval, which is a nice thing. It does. It, so, I mean, again, it feels like the show, but with more money and resources. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, let's talk about the Raylan and Willow storyline. So in this episode, Raylan is spooked after the confrontation with Clement. Uh, and though Maureen offers her home as a place for him and Willow to stay, uh, Raylan decides to send Willa back to Florida. Willa says Raylan backstabbed her, which I guess is where the title of the episode comes from, um, although it could also come from other things. Uh, and she begs to stay in Detroit with him. Raylan is torn between being present for Willa while also dealing with the Clement Mansell situation. Ultimately, Willa gets on a plane back to Florida. We see her walk onto the through the gate onto the plane. And so she's heading away from Raylan and away from this TV series for now. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I mean, what did you think of how this show has handled Willa thus far? I'm afraid they're making her a dumb horror movie kid where mm-hmm. everything she does is just to imperil Raylan and herself and herself because she is 100% going to run away back to Detroit. Um, she is not going to stay in Florida. I do not believe she is smart. I think there was a way to do it, to, to handle this character in this moment. Like, like I said before, it's now, fine. That, to be clear, that's just you making that prediction, correct? Like yes. you, you it had, is a prediction. Because yeah. again, Raylan is not in the book. Yeah, he's not in the book. So you're and, just kind of intuiting that yeah, from a storytelling and, 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 perspective, it would be weird, right? Yeah. It, it would be, I, I think there's just at some point, there's five episodes left. I'm like, that girl is going to run away and end up back in Detroit because she clearly has no sense. Um, I, again, I think it's fine. She's 15. It's fine if she's naive. It's fine if she's not necessarily making the best decisions, but I, she seems, what I like about this character is, and I, I've already seen like Willa is taking some hits. Vivian Oliphant is taking some hits. <laughs> um, I, I don't think this is being received super well. Uh-huh. Um, like a lot of people online are saying they don't like the character yes. of Will. Yeah. But I also remember with the original show, when Winona became pregnant, there was a lot of, Ugh, I, this is a character that I don't want him to have a kid. Like, like Reginald in the email said, a lot of people were already like, I don't really care about this character having a kid. Um, but I think there was a, a way to handle Willa that acknowledges that she is young and impetuous and pretty desperate for her father's attention. Like that's what really comes through is that Willa is just dying to spend more time with Raylan. And I think that's a really good character trait of she's kind of tough. She's kind of posturing. She wants more time with her dad and she's really hitting the threshold of resentment toward his job, which constantly calls him away. And that's all well and good. What I did not like is at the point that Raylan is like, you get that this man is dangerous and I have to get you away from him. And she's like, "Eh." and I was like, all right, you need, this is where you need to be a little bit more like you have seen something in your father that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. You have brushed up against a danger you have never experienced before. And I think 
what I would have preferred to see from the character is she can still be that kid who's just desperate to spend time with her dad, but this is not the moment to be challenging him, at least not in this way where you, where you know, she's not going to stay in Florida. She is going to end up in physical danger um, because she's going at some point, she's going to make a stupid decision. There are several characters. I'm like, all of these people are going to make stupid decisions, but Willa is probably queen of that mountain because she doesn't have to be this way. If you want to tell a story about Raylan, I, I did enjoy the, the, the narrative of like having it all, like you can have it all a career and a family that's flipped. And we're seeing it applied to like this tough macho cowboy masculine character where normally that's a, a narrative for women of trying to balance career and family. So I do right. enjoy that reversal. Um, but I'm like, please don't make Willa stupid, which I think is kind of like what they're doing a little bit. It, it's hmm. There's some elements of her character that I'm like, I like this. I like this feeling of you just want to spend time with your dad. He's always going for his job, but you, she's also 15. She's old enough to start reasoning like, this particular situation might not be the time to have this moment, this tension with him, because mm -hmm. I think what he's dealing with is he might not come back from it. If he's distracted, he might not come back from it. That's all very beautifully said, Sarah. <laughs> and I think I agree with a lot of it in Willa's defense, which is not words I ever thought I'd ever say <laughs> in my entire life. I mean, I will say uh, she doesn't do that many stupid things in this episode. So like, that's some well, some points positive in her, except for the part where she keeps being like, "Let me stay," and it's like, "Girl, yeah, you can't." But, <laughs> but okay, okay, okay. If I'm putting on my Willa hat, as we'd say in corporate environments I've been in, I would say, "Hey, uh, Willa has been dealing with excuses from her father for her entire life." Do you know? Oh, oh, wow! There's a serial killer on the loose who wants to kill me. Oh, what, another one? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, she's probably heard that excuse like 50 times, right? Yeah. It's, there's never a good time if you're really given. So, I have some sympathy with that. But here is my issue, I, and I think you're you're right in pointing out the kind of reversal of uh, this is like a guy, like a dude, can have it all. The problem with this show, if if Justified City Primeval had just debuted on its own. Like, we'd never seen Justify the original series before. I think people would have a lot less problem with Willa. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the presence of Willa cuts against the pleasures of the show. Like, the reason you watch Justified is to see Raylan Givens be a complete badass and maybe learn some lessons along the way, right? That's kind of ultimately why you watch Justify or, or have him go up against a formidable foe. And then, you know, iron sharpens iron and you see the two of the rivalry or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever reasons you have. But whatever reasons you have for watching Justified, Willa, like, watching Raylan bond with his daughter ain't it. Like, that's probably not why most people are here for the show. They're not, they're not like, is Raylan going to be a more complete person because of the relationship he has with his daughter? Now, that might be why, what Tim Timothy Oliphant is interested in. Um, I think that's very likely because he cast his own daughter in the show. And one of the interesting components, I think, Sarah, is to what extent is the relationship between Raylan and Willa mirror 
Timothy Oliphant's relationship with his actual daughter. Like you can imagine the life of an actor must be difficult. He's off in the middle of nowhere shooting all the time. And maybe when these two are talking, they're actually reflecting their actual real life relationship. That's potentially interesting. But again, it is not why people watch the show. Like it is not what it is not what the pleasure of justified is. Um, and that, that creates a real tension, I think. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. So? It turns a little bit into, um, oh, now I'm blanking on the name of the wife from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, Skyler. Skyler? Yeah. Skyler, yeah. It's, it's Skyler territory a little bit where people just hated that character because she um, got in the way of yes. the cool guy being cool. One, one character drives action and storyline forward and another character holds it back, right? That, that was yeah. the dynamic with Walter White and Skylar White, right? But I would say with Skylar, though, there was a strain of misogyny because Walter White was never... He was the protagonist, but he was never the hero. And he was never presented as a hero. He was a bad person doing bad things. He was hurting his family. Mm-hmm. Skylar was obviously terrified of him. And... The people who were like, oh, I hate Skylar. She's always getting in Walter's way. I'm like, she should be. Somebody, somebody should be getting in this man's way. <laughs> like, she should be getting in his way. Um, she was in many ways the conscious, the moral conscience of that show. Um, Willa does not quite occupy the same spot. I think there's a similarity in the way that that tension of people are like, this is not what I want to see from this character. I want the cool guy just to be a cool guy. Um, but she is not the moral conscience of the show. She's too young and inexperienced and naive to be that. If there is a moral conscience of the show so far, it might be Sweetie. There's potential for Sandy. She might turn a certain corner and kind of become that character. Could even maybe be Carolyn because so far Carolyn is kind of cutting through everybody's bullshit. Um, I don't think I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think Sandy's the moral center of the show. <laughs> I don't either. But like, there's, a, there's, it's kind of you want to give her the benefit of the doubt that, like, sure. if this goes a certain way, she might end up a certain type of character. But I don't think it's going to go there. But it's definitely not going to be Willa. So she doesn't occupy that spot of serving that particular role of no, somebody should be getting in this man's way. And it's like no, the person who gets in his way is Carolyn because she represents law and order and doing the job correctly. And as she says, you know, get him the right way. And she says, not everybody gets to be angry like you. Like she's pointing out, you know, I mean, you could, to to make it really simple, she's pointing out Raylan's privilege, but also um, he can't be that kind of like angry shit kicker. I'm going to lock you in the trunk of my car guy. If he's going to get Clement, Clement's too smart and wily and dangerous for that. so I think it's, I think there is some unfair, what I've seen already, I think there's some unfair criticism being aimed at Willa, but I do think some of it is fair in the sense that what I really want from this is the Raylan Clement matchup. Yeah. And I don't need Willa to be imperiled by that. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking when I was watching this episode, I was thinking a lot about Loretta McCready. And I think this is also part of the problem for Willow, the character, and Vivian Oliphant, the actor. Loretta McCready appears in season two of Justified. She's one of the main kind of recurring characters. She's, I think, I think when she first appears, she's like 14. And I think the actress who played her, Caitlin Deaver, was also around 13 or 14 when she played Loretta. Caitlin Deaver has gone on to be the star of Booksmart and Rosalind and several other things. She's a really great actor. 
And I think that's a little bit of a problem because Caitlin Deaver is one of those child actors who never felt like a child actor. She felt like somebody who has a real deep well of talent mm-hmm. and there's a lot going on. And Loretta was one of those characters. She was young and, and not as naive. She grew up in much harder circumstances than obviously Willa has, but she was a little bit impetuous. She was a little bit reckless. She wasn't always making the safest decisions, but she was smart and she was thinking things through and she was adjusting on the fly. So I think there's this justified fans already have this conditioning that if there's going to be a young woman character in the show, a kid, we had Loretta who was awesome. Yeah. Fan favorite character. Great, and every great, time, great character. Great character. Great character. Great performance. Yeah. And every time she would come back, people would get really excited to check in and see what Loretta's up to now. I get the feeling if, if Willa doesn't come back for two or three episodes, people would be pretty happy. And that, you know, it makes right. me feel a little bit bad for Vivian Oliphant because I don't think her performance is that bad. I just think the character is not terribly interesting. And, and I think they're going the dumbest route of making her that just dumb movie kid who's going to imperil, inevitably imperil her dad. Although we should note when she went on her walkabout in Detroit, she picked up that shard of glass, which might be a Pontiac hood ornament. That might actually be a Pontiac hood ornament. Um, and Raylan is now in possession of that. So this is Chekhov's shard. She's going. You, you think Raylan <laughs> is going to use it to stab Clement Mansell in the neck? I in, the, in the final episode of of Justified City Primeval. My favorite episode of Justified is season four, episode eleven, decoy. It's just straight, pure action. It's the one where they're trying to get Drew Thompson out of Harlan alive. And uh, Constable Bob, played by Patton Oswalt, is in that episode. And he has this thing early when he first shows up. He talks about uh, making beef stew, which is his description of stabbing somebody in the femoral artery to kill them. <laughs> and he does it. He he saves himself in a very dangerous situation by making beef stew of a very bad character. And the minute... Raylan produced that shard and tried to give it to Willa. And she's like, no, you keep it. I'm like, he is going to stab someone in the femoral artery with that. Wow. <laughs> All right. We're calling it here on decoding TV. Somebody is going to die by beef stew yeah. at some point during justified city primeval. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, last thing before we move on to the next plot line, which is uh, we got some time with Maureen and her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first I thought that Willa was just going to stay with Maureen's family for the rest of the season. And that was how they're going to deal with the Willa question of like, we need some place to stash Willa so that she's like kind of safe, but like still can be imperiled. I didn't think they were going to ship her off to another state. Well, Um, if she had stayed in the hotel room last week, maybe (laughs) Raylan would have left her there, (laughs) but she already proved she can't be trusted. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, they do have this interesting conversation where she basically, Maureen reveals to Rayland that uh, her domestic situation, like her mental health has suffered horribly, partially because of her job and that no one can really have it all. It's a myth, Sarah. No one can have it all. Yeah. No one can have the career and the family. And even if it looks nice, everyone's just faking. Um, yeah. And I thought that was just a nice little, nice little moment, nice little color between the two of them, you know? Yeah. So. Anyway. I will be very sad if anything happens to Maureen. Maureen Definitely. is great. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, that is the Raylan Willa subplot for this episode. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. All right, uh, let's talk about Carolyn and Sweetie. Carolyn's money troubles continue thanks to her loser ex. We see this because she wants to apply to be a judge, but her ex's problems are hindering her ambitions and opportunities because there's a question on the questionnaire that says, have you ever been in tax trouble before? And she shuts her computer laptop before she can finish answering that question. Um, Clement wants to take photos of his bruises from Raylan, but Carolyn won't. Warns him off from messing with Willa and then tells Raylan to catch Clement the right way. Points out that not everybody gets to be angry like you. Uh, referring to Raylan's, Raylan's temper and the lack of consequences when he loses it. Meanwhile, S- Sweetie still has Clement's gun and goes to Carolyn to arrange turning it over in exchange for immunity. Um, you know, I don't know that I'm super invested in the Carolyn plotline, but I did think that there was something pretty elegant about the idea of her just, there's no words. There's this whole sequence where she's applying for a job. She's shuts it in frustration. She goes into the court. The court is shot in a very, like the the grandeur of the courtroom is brought out and she kind of sits at the judge's chair and she bangs the gavel and she kind of imagines herself there. No word, no dialogue in that whole sequence. And it's just like, a, hey, that's a very nice, elegant way of showing this is this is what this character aspires to. They they aspire to a kind of respectability that they don't feel like they currently have. I thought it was very nice. Um, but what did you think of how the episode handled Carolyn uh, in this in episode three? I quite liked it. I especially liked that courtroom sequence coming on the heels of the opening of the show, which is at her house, and the giant yellow font informing us that it's Gross Point, Michigan. <laughs> Um, which is both the setting of one of my favorite movies, Gross Point Blank, mm-hmm. and also a wealthy suburb of Detroit. Mm. And Carolyn has a pretty cool looking like mid-century yeah. home. Yeah. But but if you look, um, and this is where the show being so dark this episode, um, the pool is empty and starting to look a little scummy. The lawn is looking a little unkempt. Like it, it kind of looks like Carolyn has this expensive home at some point she was doing very well and then her loser ex did something and all of her money is gone. And now there's a lien against the house and all these problems are coming up around money, money, money. And I love the contrast of, of that, like her aspirations to be the judge and to be in this kind of like grandeur when it's like on a certain level though, she's already achieved the grandeur. Like she has the fancy house in the wealthy suburb, but it's all kind of a, it's like Marine. It's like, it's, it's pretending like it's, the facade looks good, but underneath it is this tax lien and these money troubles and her ex and Clement Manzel, who's just a problem for everybody. Um, so I really liked where they were going with that. And I also think it this episode was a little table setting 
And I think one thing they were establishing with Carolyn is she is having serious money problems. She's not a little bit in debt. Her husband has left her with a not a six-figure tax lien. And he's a loser. He's not going to pay it. She's trying to get him to, but clearly that's not, he's not going to do it. We all know that. Um, and then there was that little notebook of the judges that seems to be about something shady happening. Maybe people taking bribes, maybe something related to, I just feel like Carolyn's money troubles are going to become a bigger issue a few episodes down the line. I don't mm-hmm. think this, this story is so spare. We only have eight episodes we're already almost halfway through. There is no room for waste. Anything we're seeing, anything we're learning, you know, there's little fun asides, like is a hot dog a sandwich or whatever, but it's like, no, Carolyn's money troubles, Sandy's crappy boss, that glass shard that Willa found, all of these things are becoming up because they're going to matter. Yeah. At least they will if these storytellers are good and talented, which we believe if it they pays are. Off, which, which we believe, which we believe they are. Yes, but but <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's weird to put this much attention on it if, it if they don't come back to it. Now, you say all this very confidently, Sarah. I I literally <laughs> just finished Secret Invasion, uh, <laughs> the the Disney Plus show, which I will speak with Patrick Klepek about tomorrow on Decoding TV, and literally I could say about half a dozen subplots like that are introduced and don't pay off. And by the way, I think secret invasion costs a lot more than this show. Uh, oh, I'm estimate, sure it did. <laughs> the estimate was around $200 million is what I understand for that show. So um, it is not unprecedented for a show to introduce a bunch of interesting stuff and never follow it up. But I agree with you that uh, it's very likely we'll come back to Carolyn's stuff. I, um, I think in longer seasons of Justified, where there were the 13 episodes, you would have these little asides. Um, one that always sticks out in my mind is the episode where Raylan goes off with Jackie Nevada, the very charismatic graduate student who is a professional poker player on the side. And it's just, she's in one episode. She's a one-off character. We never see her again. His little adventure with her doesn't connect to anything else. But they're not, they don't have 13 episodes. They have yeah. eight so I just feel like the balance of the storytelling, I, I trust them because they stuck the landing on the first series. Exactly. And, exactly. They, they, they have a proven track record. So like, yeah. Uh, and I, and I all the big stuff did come back together. All of it folded in. And so I'm like, all right, all these little pieces. It's like, why is Sandy's boss in this scene? It's like, well, he's going to do something dumb. Like <laughs> he's, but he, unlike Willa, Sandy's terrible boss is clearly designed to be the guy who thinks he's a bigger shot than he is. Hmm. And that hubris is going to rebound on him in some terrible way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm pretty confident in all that other stuff you said, like Carolyn's <laughs> money problems are going to come. I agree with all that. I don't, I don't know. It could, it's possible. This is the last we've seen of Sandy's boss, but you're probably mm. right. You're probably, <laughs> cause, cause, it would. I, I. I'm trying to think. Like, what's the argument for having Sandy's boss character there if he doesn't show up again? And I think uh, it would just be weird if, if you know, police are apprehending Sandy or talking to Sandy, and there's no pushback from a boss. At all. Like, you need some character there to kind of show that this is kind of messing with her life to some degree. Yeah. Um, so it could be just that. So that I'm. I'm way less confident that Sandy's <laughs> boss is going to come back into play. But they cast anyway. a recognizable. It's true. It's if true. it was just a case of we need someone for the realism of the moment, Chicago is full of professional actors. Mm-hmm. They they would have just cast one of the very talented local actors 
who have right. already popped up in smaller roles. Um, you're you're, you're they, making predictions left and right, Sarah. They right? Like... paid to fly <laughs> someone and keep them in town for months. <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, Sarah's making a ton of predictions. Uh, Clement Mansell's carotid artery or femoral artery <laughs> is going to be stabbed. Well, I don't know uh, that it'll be Clement Mansell. I just, okay. I just oh, think it'll be someone. Raylan yeah. having that glass shard. I'm like, that's yeah. going to come back somewhere. Yeah. Um, Sandy's boss is going to come back. <laughs> Carolyn's money problems going to come back. You know, and at Will the end is going to run away. <laughs> yeah, Will is going to come back. So at the end of the, you know at the end of the season, people are going to know the prognostication powers I, of Sarah Mars. I do uh, want to say that there have been. Um, I have recapped television for Laney Gossip before in the past, and I have done this where I have said this is what's going to happen and then it happens and people are like how why and i always say like i am a writer first and foremost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i always think narrative 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 what is the next logical step indeed like so let's talk a little bit about sweetie uh his bar gets raided this episode like the the police basically serve a bunch of warrants this episode right they search sweetie's bar um for the gun they don't find it uh, because Sweetie has found the gun. Uh, they bring in Clement and Sandy in for questioning, but that, that leads nowhere. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, uh, the idea, like, what I appreciated is you you get a sense of, like, what Sweetie's real motivations are. He's sick of Clement Mansell. He no longer wants to be under Clement Mansell's thumb anymore. And uh, I have a feeling he's going to get his way at some point in the season. Well, and I, I had a slight question. I went back and I rewatched the scene. So the gun in question that Clement used to kill the judge and his assistant, Rose, appears to be the same gun that was used in the murder five the years wrecking, before. The wrecking the crew. Wrecking crew yeah. Where yeah. Clement killed like four or five people that were his own compatriots and Sweetie's compatriots at the time drug in some drug dealing imp- enterprise. Um it seems like the technicality that he got, because they say, like, how did you, they had you for four murders, how did you get off? And it seems like they never found the gun, they couldn't physically put him in the place of the murder. Because when it comes to, I mean, if you're a true crime aficionado, you know, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. So even though everyone knows Clement killed these people, if they did not have the gun, if they could not physically put him in the room where the murder happened, he got off on a technicality and so now it's like oh no not only is this gun relevant today mm-hmm. but this is gonna bring back that flashback from the previous episode from 2017 now we're getting into can they bring back these four previous murders and get clement for all of this stuff yeah yeah so high stakes gun that uh sweetie stashes behind his jukebox great 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 hiding place but I also feel like Raylan or Victor would have found that in a heartbeat. Norbert <laughs> is so bad at his job that it's like those jukeboxes are just those old jukeboxes are just huge empty cabinets underneath. Well, so. he well he he doesn't. the The implication is that when the search warrant is served, the gun is not anywhere in the establishment. Is my yes. is my understanding? So like, I think Sweetie he, moved it. Yeah, he moves it somewhere else. Um, but. Uh, it, it's it's also I have to say a really upsetting depiction of a search warrant that they basically kind of like lay waste to his establishment, you know. Um, and so yeah. I'm always like noting. It's always interesting to note like how this show depicts the act of law enforcement, right? And I think so far I would argue that Justified City Primeval is 
fairly ambivalent about it because you, you see Raylan go off on people and get angry at people, but then the show also moralizes about it. You know, the sh- Carolyn also gives him a hard time about it, and it feels like he it feels like something he really takes to heart. Like, oh yeah, I can't keep going around kicking people's asses, or else it's going to go badly for me. Um, you see, when police power is exercised, uh, it's it's done in a fairly upsetting, disturbing way. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it's just interesting to know. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on it, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, it it is, I think in general, search warrants can be pretty destructive to people's places. And like fingerprint powder leaves a horrible smeary residue everywhere. You, <laughs> yeah. you really do actually have to hire professional cleaners after a search warrant has been executed. And there are case precedents where people have sued to have the police department cover those costs because it can be very expensive to clean up. Um, They do sometimes make a huge mess, but it seems like in Norbert's case, because he was raiding Sweetie's bar, Maureen was raiding the penthouse where Sandy has been staying, which seems to be the home of another one of her marks who's out of town. Um, Or maybe he's dead in a deep freezer. I don't know, but that guy's not there. Um, Maureen, they were going through the stuff, but it didn't seem as disastrous as what was going on at the bar. It really seemed like Norbert specifically, because he's a psychotic bad cop, was really going over the top. Mm -hmm. They were were looking for a gun and they were breaking like posters on the wall. Like you can't store a gun. I understand cutting open the cushions on a, on the, on the like bench seats of the booths. That made sense. But like, why would you knock all the framed pictures off the wall? A <laughs> right. gun is not going to fit. If they were looking for like a, a computer disc or a thumb drive or a letter or something. Well, they're also flat. they're also searching for that b- the book. You know, they also. Yeah, they're that, looking for the book. They're, they're looking for the but book, the, too. The but book's yeah. not small. The book is not small. So I'm just yes. like, you don't have to. They are going to a level that they do not have to go to. And I think we specifically see Maureen in the other location because it's like, yeah, they're, they're searching hard. They're looking through everything, but they're not making quite the same level of mess. And it's mm-hmm. later implied that Sandy is able to clean up that penthouse on her own, whereas um, Sweetie has help and his bar is still a pretty big mess by the end. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, there's one other subplot this episode, uh, and it involves Clement, Sandy, and the Albanian. So as we just discussed, Detroit PD arrests everyone. They search for Clement's gun, which they don't find. Norbert's clumsy attempt to play Sandy and Sweetie off Clement doesn't work, and everyone's released. Clement and Sandy resume their plan to roll the Albanian, who intends to propose to Sandy, believing Clement is her brother. Sandy describes the utter decimation of an Albanian blood feud, which sure seems like it might be foreshadowing. And later, she and Clement get the Albanian drunk in an attempt to get him to reveal where he stashes his cash. He has a panic room with a safe, but inside the safe is just a bunch of guns, no money. Uh, The episode has an open ending, but it seems like Clement has lost his temper with the Albanian and perhaps might be on the verge of doing something drastic. I really like this whole sequence because you you um, you see kind of the con as it's taking place. Uh, there's this kind of bizarre detour into. It, it seems like the actual story of Clement's mom getting swept away from a tornado. Like I, I was that like, felt like it's probably true. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it's like, huh, interesting. Because they went and they shot this whole tornado sequence and as you said why would they spend the money to do that unless it was something significant right um 
or it's just a really good twister homage. <laughs> it, it, exactly. It's the tell. Maybe it's to tell us how he became an amoral monster. So, you know, um, is because if if his mom can get swept up by a tornado, that's what opened his mind to the idea that there is no morality. Uh, anyway, I, I like how this whole thing plays out. The idea is that uh, Raylan kind of understands that he is the mark before the mark even understands so that he decided they decide to like follow him to this bar. Um, there's a fun sequence where Clement is able to lose his tail by like stopping at a green light. And I thought that was very fun. Like the way that's done is just very kind of classic justified. I thought like a mm-hmm. cool justified sequence. And then when they arrive at the safe house, you feel like this series of escalating tensions where like, you know, the Albanian is like, yeah, hey, I'm, we're having fun. And then, like, Clement is just like, give me the effing money. And it's a very tense uh, sequence that I thought is really, really well done. So I, I really like this whole subplot. Uh, what did you think of it, Sarah Mars? And anything specifically you want to highlight? Um, I really liked it. I loved the losing the tail at the light. He stops at a green light and everyone goes around him except freaking Norbert, the worst cop in the city. Yeah, why, why didn't he just go? <laughs> just and like, go! F- yeah, yeah. You know, like, just why didn't you just peel out? The minute you saw the first car start move, yes. move. Yeah. Um, but that felt like a Boyd Crowder moment. That felt like something Boyd Crowder yes. would do. Yes, exactly, um, yeah. Which I think is good at establishing that Clement isn't just, quote unquote, the wild man. He is a smart person. He's thinking this through, um, kind of staying one step ahead. But it, it I liked that too, because the Albanian does win the biggest idiot prize. Um, he is very stupid. <laughs> and again, like deliberately designed to be like, and it's to me, it, it kind of felt like a character who he's involved in some kind of organized crime racket. And he probably feels insulated by the fact that he has this network. And it's like, no, but again, Clement is the chaos agent. Like, he is going to do what he is going to do regardless of whatever protections you think you have in place. And that's the lesson everyone has to learn to their detriment. Um, but he's after the, what stuck with me was that he's after the Albanians money because they have like a very successful hot dog stand and coming from Chicago where they shot this show, I was like, Oh, which hot dog stand are they going to use? And I think they repainted it for the show. I think they mm. changed the name. I guess maybe they didn't want to pay the local business the licensing <laughs> fee, but anyway, um, they go to his penthouse, a loft, whatever, and he doesn't have any money in the safe. And he makes a crack about Venmo. He's like, why would I have cash? I use, uh, I use Venmo, basically. Which right? kind of makes you think that like, maybe he's a crypto bro. Mm-hmm. But he specifically mentions, and his, his loft is conspicuously covered in modern art. Mm-hmm. And I just, having a little bit of a college background in art and having studied it for a while and having pondered a career in art money laundering in the contemporary art world is real (laughs) and it is aggressive so looking at his loft with all these huge conspicuous paintings and he said i hired someone who knew about art and then when he didn't have money in the safe i was like the money's in the art if he liquidates paintings that's the money Mm, okay um sarah sarah Mar th- sarah Mar's throwing out another prediction <laughs> which I, clement manzel is not going to be patient enough to do right so. um I, what i really like about this sequence is the albanian guy feels like an unbearable person like oh, i would worst. not want to hang out with him and yet and yet i have a lot of sympathy for this guy he's like hey i'm in love with this woman and then he's he's being completely grifted 
Um, and I feel I feel bad for him. And that's what's that's something that a show like Justified does really well is they'll introduce a side character, and then by the end you're like, oh, I really hope they survive. You know, I really he hope is, they're okay. He is very much a Dewey Crow character, mm-hmm. where he feels a little yeah. bit comic relief, like he's here a little yeah. bit to be a, a little bit of a joke. Yeah. Um, but if I sort of by the end of the episode, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um, but Sandy tells the story of Albanian blood feuds, where it's like, well, this guy kills his son, and then he kills his dad, and then. The brother, he kills his brother because he killed his brother and then he kills his brother. And then it just goes on and on and on up this like escalation of everybody kills everybody. And the reason the Albanian has the panic room is in case one of these blood feuds kicks off, he can just lock himself inside until it's over. Um, So it feels a little bit like if Dewey Crow's Florida relations who come up in season five of Justified, led by Michael Rappaport, one of truly the most miscast people in the show. Um, but if they had been capable, the Albanian to me feels like he's Dewey Crow. He's silly and kind of pitiable. I, you know, I feel bad that he's probably dead. Um, but the Albanian mafia (laughs) is now activated. (laughs) Okay. So here's what I'm going to say. I agree with you that the Albanian mafia is now activated. I don't agree that he's dead. Um, I don't think he's dead. The episode doesn't show you that he's dead. It's true. Um, That's true. And 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 also like I I it doesn't feel like just, he he might die two to three episodes from now, but it doesn't feel like justified to have a cliffhanger and then the next episode you find out he's dead. That's just as we That's saw with the first two episodes. If they're if they kill someone, they'll tell you. Like they're gonna kill. They're gonna tell you that they killed the person. Um. So I don't think he's dead, but I do agree that Clement Mansell is tangling with powers he does not yet fully understand. And that well, and, that will create further issues. And so, this goes yeah. back to the reference to Apophis, the Egyptian demon snake god of chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because they're trying to figure out early in the episode, they're, they're trying to piece together how did Clement Manziel tangle up with this judge? Like, how did this happen? And as they're kind of just working through the problem, they start to realize, Raylan starts to realize, I don't think it was about the judge it, they start to kind of piece together that this was just a chaos inflection right of I, yeah. it was a total just random incident and now I really, we have I really another love that I, I love that sequence where he's like kind of like slowly solving the crime and you realize i'm like yeah why it doesn't they're not connected at all like it doesn't make any sense um if they're because he literally says like if they're pursuing this albanian where did the judge right come in and, and, and the and Albanian now, is seemingly kind of random as well. He he was just like another mark for Sandy, right? Yeah, he's another. I think it's just she's working at that casino. She's yeah. targeting the high rollers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's conning them. The Albanian has bought into it so hard. He's prepared to marry her, um, which is where I'm like, idiot prize of the week. <laughs> but um, now we have this other chaos moment of. Sandy tells him about the Albanian blood feuds and Clement clearly kind of doesn't really take it that seriously. Um, He just sort of latches on to the idea of the panic room and the safe. But you just kind of know by the end of that episode that he's done something that you're like, oh no, now we're going to have an Albanian. So we're going to have, we're going to have going from this like low level con of just trying to get these rich guys money yeah, to, yeah. we have a dead judge, a dead CI. And now I don't know the Albanian mafia. It's just escalating chaos. And it's yeah. Clement. He's the reason he's a yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. 
Fun stuff. Um, all right. Sarah Mars, anything else you have to say about this episode? Otherwise, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go for our favorite quotes from the episode. But any, anything else you want to bring up or share? Um, the two needle drops this week were We Are Going to Be Friends by The White Stripes, probably one of their best songs, and Do Your Worst by Rival Sons. It seems like a lot of the music is revolving around Clement. Like mm-hmm. A lot of those cues are coming around him. And I almost, he has this thing in the first episode where I think it's him singing the White Stripes. And I'm like, oh, is Clement like a frustrated musician? <laughs> like, did he want to be a rock star and didn't get his way? <laughs> yes. Who, know, who knows how many people would be alive if he had just gotten a record deal? You Man, know? And, and Sweetie turning that gun over to Carolyn. I'm like, please run to the prosecutor right now. Please make this deal. Get that gun somewhere safe before everyone dies. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, overall, fun episode, good episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed talking with you, Sarah Mars, about it. So, And we hope you've enjoyed this conversation here on Decoding TV. Again, find more episodes at podcast.decodingtv.com and uh, support this podcast by becoming a paid member at decodingtv.com. Stay tuned for our coverage of shows like Secret Invasion, Full Circle, and many others this summer. Sarah Mars, you want to tell people where they can find more of your work on the internet this week? Um, my work is on laneygossip.com. Film reviews appear on Rotten Tomatoes under Sarah Mars. I'm on various social medias at Cinesnark. Uh, so let's talk about favorite quotes this episode. Uh, I really enjoyed when Willa is talking to Carolyn and she's trying to convince her to date her dad basically and saying like and the quote she says is he's not bad for a white guy and i very debatable (laughs) uh, yes very debatable and also kind of the would be a good slogan for the show i think (laughs) so so i really appreciated that quote from will of this episode um did you have a favorite quote or any moments that stuck out to you sarah mars um well i did like that moment i don't think willa is a total lost cause i just don't really like kind of how they're using her plot wise. Um, I really liked Carolyn's comment to Raylan. Not everybody gets to be angry like you. Yeah. Um, Just. Which felt like very pointed commentary, you know, like. Yeah. Very kind of like, you can't just let your anger flow. Like. Because it's, it's essentially like a triple privilege. Like Mm -hmm. he's a white guy. He's a tall, handsome white guy. So that's like extra white guy. So he has pretty privilege is what you're saying. White privilege, pretty privilege and (laughs) law enforcement privilege. (laughs) Right. Um, So, but it really did kind of feel like, and so much of the first series, everybody was so angry. Boyd was angry. Raylan's angry. Mm Mm-hmm. Ava's angry. Gutterson's angry. Art is angry. Rachel's angry. Everybody was angry. And this time it's like, I'm not convinced Clement's angry. I just think he's a psychopath. Um, and it, it's that thing of Raylan can't lose his temper like he used to. Um, not only because the world has changed, but it's having an effect on Willa. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, uh, those are our thoughts on Justified City Primeval Episode 3, Backstabber. Uh, it's been so much fun to talk about it with you, Sarah. And we'll be back next week with another recap and review of Justified City Primeval next week, Episode 4. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 